This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $700 on average. A spite bet there from Joe Fortenbaugh. It worked out. I also had that upset in my bracket. I had Tennessee beating Duke. Moving on. Nothing else about my bracket has worked out at all. Nothing else about your bets have worked out at all except for that spite bet. Look at that. I'm a genius. When you think about it, the Bible has it all wrong when it tells you about forgiveness. Apparently You so. should hold grudges. Spite. You should allow spite to control some of your life. Because if you do, boys and girls, you too can win one of five bets over the weekend with Tennessee covering the spread against Duke. I had a horrible weekend. You know the best bet I made this weekend? I was in desperation mode, and I got a tip that the Columbus Blue Jackets, who were here in Las Vegas yesterday to play the Knights, were going to have, shall we say, a case of the Vegas flu. And boy, did they ever. They lost 7-2 to two in that game. That was it. Outside of that and the spite bet, that's all I won this weekend. Well, that's the way the cookie crumbles in March, right? It is complete and utter madness. Now, in terms of your bracket, I'm looking at the standings right now in our ESPN Radio Challenge. We are all... Playing against one another? Is that even the right terminology? We all made brackets, and we are all fighting to the death, as we like to say here on Joe and Amber with everybody else on ESPN Radio. You were sitting in the fifth spot. I looked at one point over the weekend. You were actually at number two over the weekend in terms of your bracket. Harry Douglas sitting at the top spot. I'm somewhere in the middle of the camp. Max Kellerman's bracket apparently completely busted. Mm, That's a shame. He's Um, at the bottom of the stand. The reality of all of this is, and we, we have a daily wager bracket as well. Everyone was going through that today. None of that stuff matters. Where we are right now, we're through the first weekend. You're either bust or it doesn't matter. Because with the point structure and with the way all this works, you need to nail the champion. If you're not nailing the champion, who cares? Who is your champion? Oh, I'm done. I, my champion is Kansas. I am very, oh. very <laughs> utterly done. Uh, your champion You should have led UConn. with that. Don't lead with I'm are, in the middle and bust up Kellerman. I got the Tennessee over Duke right. Uh, yeah, right. no, I'm, I'm completely screwed. I mean, just completely and utterly. So I have no okay. shot at this thing because of who my champion is. I had them playing Alabama, but then I chose the wrong team maybe to win that championship. Quite a few of us, like Harry Douglas, though, he's sitting at the top of our standings right now. He has Duke as his champion. Oh, it's so, a shame, Harry. He got oh. everything else right. That's probably not going to gonna last very long for him. But who knows? If any of this, you're the only person who has UConn as the champion in our ESPN Radio Bracket Challenge. So we'll see how that works out for you. We will certainly keep you updated on how those things pan out. Unless Joe and I are embarrassing, in which case I probably will never update you again on how yeah. that goes. However, we mentioned Kansas there. We know... We have two ones out, Kansas and, of course, Purdue. Even Houston gave us a scare over the weekend. The odds must have completely changed over the last 72 hours. So let's get into that with number ones falling all over the place. I mean, at one point over the weekend when Houston was down 10 points at the half, it felt like we could be staring at a sweet 16 or maybe we'll get to an elite eight without any ones. Like, are we going to be trending a direction where we could have a final four without any one seeds at all? I don't believe so. I don't believe so. And you and I talked about this in the preview leading into the weekend. For as much as we get wrong, we told you if you were going to go chalky, 
You want to go chalky in the Alabama region, and you want to go chalky in the Houston region. Houston and Texas, who are both still alive. The two brackets that were ripe for chaos were the Kansas bracket, which is the West, and Kansas is out. Too much competition there. You have UConn, you have Arkansas, you have TCU, Gonzaga, UCLA. And then the East, where Purdue was, without question, the weakest one. And I'm not saying that in a bit of revisionist history they were the weakest one coming in and they showed that immediately getting knocked off by Fairleigh Dickinson in an incredible upset so what we saw before the tournament Houston was your favorite at about five to one Bama was second at seven to one currently that has readjusted itself Bama is now your favorite at plus 350 Houston at plus 360 the primary reason for this isn't that Houston had a bit of a scare it's the path If you look at the Houston side, they still have to contend with Texas, who is legit. And then in the region below them, who they'd beat in the Final Four, Arkansas, UConn, Gonzaga, UCLA, all still alive, all very good. Alabama has it real good. The number two in their own region, Arizona, they've been eliminated. You drop down to the region that would have produced their opponent in the Final Four, Purdue's out. Duke's out. There is a lot of excitement if you are a fan of the Alabama basketball team because the path is setting up nicely and they have steamrolled the competition through the first two games in the tournament. You mentioned there Gonzaga and TCU. Gonzaga beats TCU 84 to 81. I think that this is what you call in the gambling world a bad beat. Let's take a listen to the final call on Westwood One NCAA Radio Network. Ball will pick it up in midcourt, let it fly. It's good. It counts, they'll look at it, but really it doesn't matter. It only matters maybe for some. 84 81 is the final. Matter for uh, it this only guy. matters to some. On the back end of that call, it only matters Woo! maybe to some and a little chuckle at the recognition there to what that means to betters. Oh, my God. All right, so let's set the stage here. Gonzaga was leading that game by seven points at that exact moment. Now, they were a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Four-and-a-half-point favorite leading by seven, which means since there was only seven-tenths of a second remaining when that happened, a miracle three-pointer was the only way the Gonzaga bet was not going to win. So after the second free throw is converted, Gonzaga realizes there's no reason to play any defense. They kind of space the floor. They're not going to touch anyone. TCU rolls the ball in bounds. Um, I believe it was uh, Damian Ball lets it go all the way to midcourt, at which point he just scoops it up and chucks it and buries it so that they only lose by three and bada bing, bada boom, your TCU plus four and a half tickets cashed. If you cash that ticket like I did, because I was chasing some money late, but that's neither here nor there. If you cash that ticket, exhale and tread easy this week because the gambling gods are watching you. They smiled down upon you Sunday night, tread very easy, or some feel that when you catch a break like that, you should just let it rip and go completely buck wild and really test yourself from a heat check perspective. I am not of that belief. I think you respect the gambling gods for giving you a gift on a Sunday night bailout right there. Well, the gambling gods have a few days off here, and then there were 16. That action will pick up again on Thursday. As always, we will keep you up to date on all of that action. But coming up next here on Joe and Amber, we transition to the NFL. Dan Orlovsky said that the Cowboys might have the, had the best offseason so far. Another move for Dallas. We're going to break it down. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Dallas Cowboys have had an active offseason. It got a little bit more active in the last 24 hours. What does that mean for the NFC East? We will get into it. Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find him on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. Before we get into the Dallas Cowboys, though, Joe's going to try to earn you a little bit of money. Let's get to it. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Fun first segment on the show tonight, bragging about the picks we got right. Now it's time to pay the Reaper. The weekend did not go well, one and four, which gives us an overall record of 47 and 53. We are below 500. We are 100 picks officially now into the show, but plus 1.1 units because of that monster prop we hit a few weeks back. So slightly profitable but we're on the razor's edge right here. Pizza money number one. This tips off at 740 tonight. It's the Knicks. It's the Timberwolves. It's over 228 total points. Minnesota on the road this season defensively has been suspect. They're allowing 117 points per game, which ranks 19th in the NBA. They are also 16th in defensive efficiency. On the season, they like to play fast. That's big for an over. They are fifth in pace, which means they get up and down the court quickly. They get shots out of their hand quickly, which gives us more opportunity to put up points. As good as the Knicks have been this season, it's the offense that has taken a step forward and the defense that has taken a step back. Pizza money number one, Knicks. Timberwolves over 228 total points. The Cowboys get wideout Brandon Cooks in a trade with the Texans. Dallas figured once they got into March, like, hey, we don't love the free agency class, so then they got to work on the trade market. Got Stephon Gilmore from Indy, got their cornerback, and now they got Cooks. So you heard it there in that imaging. Dallas Cook, Brandon Cooks, rather, is now on the Dallas Cowboys. Houston receives a fifth-round pick in 2023 and a sixth-round pick in 2024 as part of this trade. Brandon Cooks on the move once again in his career. A receiver that's good, but somehow been dealt 
multiple times across his career, four times, I believe it is in total. He's 29 years old, 57 receptions for 699 yards, three touchdowns, despite missing four games last season. He will join the pass-catching group that includes CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and T.Y. Hilton. So you would imagine that it's more help for Dak. And when I first heard of this trade, I thought, okay, good for Dallas Joe, they've been active this offseason, and you thought that they were going to need to be reactive in terms of a wide receiver. But I also kept thinking, like, why did they bother getting rid of Amari Cooper? <laughs> They're going to end up trading a, couple, you know, a year later for Brandon Cooks. So the Amari Cooper situation, I believe it was just going to be way too much money that they right. were not willing to pay, given everything they had. They had just invested a first-round pick in C.D. Lamb. So they didn't see the, uh, the cost-benefit analysis as to working out in their favor. All right, so be it. Here comes Cook, first-round pick, 2014 out of Oregon State. He's had 1,000 yards receiving in six of the last eight years. He's played all over the place. He's played mm-hmm. for the, uh, was it the Saints, the Patriots, the Rams, the Texans, and now the Cowboys. His speed is what the Cowboys fans should be most excited about. The ability to stretch the field vertically, to open up the underneath game for guys like CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup. It's not that you're bringing him in and he's going to put you over the top because he's going to be some elite receiver himself. But as a piece to the bigger pie, he helps unlock what Dallas is trying to do offensively. So this is a big move. Uh, you're moving away from Ezekiel Elliott. Tony Pollard's going to be the featured back next year. A lot of weapons for Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy to play with here, Amber. A lot of weapons. Philadelphia is still the favorite in the NFC East, but the Cowboys have definitely armed up on both sides of the ball. They brought in Stephon Gilmore at cornerback on defense. They re-signed some key pieces as well. This is a team that very few would say lacking in talent. When it comes to competing at a high level, this should be enough when you break down the roster. Yeah, the roster looks very good. In terms of the money, Cooks has two years left on his contract, an average salary cap hit of $25.5 million during that period. The Texans are going to pick up $6 million of Cooks' contract for the 2023 season. So the Dallas Cowboys, who've been very active so far, they bring in Brandon Cooks, help for Dak there. Stephon Gilmore, of course, they brought in earlier this offseason. They got rid of Ezekiel Elliott. They locked up, as you mentioned, Tony Pollard and Dan Orlock called this offseason for the Dallas Cowboys maybe the best of the offseasons so far in the NFL. He also explained on Get Up today how Cooks helps that offense. It's a huge addition. This is a great offseason for the Cowboys. It's, they've had the best offseason in the NFC East, and it automatically makes me think what's coming in the draft. You don't, you don't make this trade to get this piece to just add a solid player. You're making this trade for a late-round pick to add Brandon, Brandon Cooks to think, all right, we got to do something to draft to make a splash, make a move, throw a huge swing. They got three picks in the top 30. And I look to Bijan Robinson out of Texas. And this has been said by other people over the past couple weeks, but we're talking about a guy that basically is untackleable. Couldn't get tackled in college football. Oh so Bijan Robinson, according to Dan Orlovsky, because I heard him say it on SportsCenter as well, he feels like these moves, when he's looking at these offseason moves, are setting up another move. And he is theorizing that other move is taking a running back, albeit a very good running back, but a running back in the first round of this upcoming NFL draft. And Joe, in recent years, there's been a change in philosophy about taking running backs in the first round. They took Ezekiel Elliott in the first round. Now, some would say, okay, it doesn't end up working out. What didn't end up working out with Zeke was the second contract, not the first. So actually taking him in the first round, I would argue, did work out in terms of that rookie deal. But the thing 
thing is with running backs is they end up pretty disposable. You get a few good years out of them and they're pretty replaceable. And I know you and I have talked about on this show time and time again, when you were looking at the conference championships this year, like prominent running backs aren't necessarily the thing. You don't necessarily need the huge name running back in order to win a Super Bowl. You just need competent running back play. And normally you don't just spend first rounders on that. You need a good running game for sure, but that doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be a great running back. You know, Derrick Henry's a great running back. Tennessee didn't go anywhere this year. Nick Chubb is a great running back. Cleveland didn't go anywhere this year. Saquon Barkley's a great running back. Giants made a little bit of noise, but ultimately weren't on par with the best teams in the NFL. Dalvin Cook was a first-round pick. He can't stay healthy. Christian McCaffrey's an elite running back. He was with a good Niners team in the NFC Championship game. The list goes on and on. I can see what Dan's saying. Bajon Robinson, if there's a running back in this draft class that's worthy of a first-round pick, he's the guy. He's the guy. Someone's taking him in the first round, whether it's the Cowboys, whether it's Philadelphia, who a lot of people have linked to him, um, or not. So he could come in. He could help. You've got Tony Pollard, who I would assume you would want to lean on a little bit more. You bring him in on a rookie deal, Bajon Robinson. He's fresh. He's healthy. Change of pace. And if you look at Jerry's history, he's not one to shy away from skill positions. He'll go after wide receivers. He'll go after some of the glamour positions rather than building in the trenches necessarily. I think the team should be focused on revamping that offensive line to protect Dak Prescott. Mm. I think the defense could still use a little bit of help. But the beautiful thing right now is that the Cowboys have flexibility. They've done such a good job during free agency of not only re-signing key pieces, but adding some key components as well, that they don't have to lock into one specific position in the draft. They have flexibility to take the best player on the board. And when you're in a position like that, you're in a position to hit a home run. Let's talk about the rest of the NFC East. So the Dallas Cowboys have certainly not sat on their hands this postseason. They've been active. The Philadelphia Eagles, there was really only one way to go for that team, for your team, Joe, right? I mean, losing its coordinators, you knew trying to keep all the pieces together would be difficult. We haven't heard anything yet about a potential extension for Jalen Hurts that we all felt like is coming this offseason. We knew it would be hard to keep those key pieces. The New York Giants managed to keep Daniel Jones with an extension. They managed to keep Saquon Barkley. So I don't know if the Giants hugely improved, but the Giants are certainly trying to move forward and develop on what build on what surprised us last season from that team. And then there's, there's the Washington commanders. Yeah. They're in that division as well. Bringing up the rear. Here are the odds. <laughs> Philadelphia is your favorite plus plus one fifteen. That's a hundred dollar wager returning $115 in profit. Dallas is second at plus 180, New York third at plus 475, Washington fourth at 10 to 1. Philadelphia has done a decent job, all things considered. A lot of key pieces were up to leave. They were able to bring back James Bradbury and Darius Slay, their star corners. So that's really going to help the defense. I would say this, if you are looking for a good bet to make in this division, I'd bet Dallas at plus 180. I think Philadelphia had three key factors working in its favor last year for all their success. Number one, they had a ton of talent. Number two, they had a very easy schedule. Number three, if you look at their injury luck, as it's referred to, they were extremely healthy. There's no way to duplicate that this season. They will not be as healthy this year. They will not have as easy a schedule. They will not have as much talent. And as all that drops off, Dallas is primed at plus 180 to take advantage of that. I wouldn't bet Dallas to win the NFC or the Super Bowl. I would bet them to win the division. 
It's hard to bet on Dallas because Dallas has often looked like it should be that team on paper and it doesn't pan out in a postseason. We will see if that luck changes with some of these additions here from this offseason. Joe and Amber's presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Coming up next, where will Odell Beckham Jr. end up now? We will get into it. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. It's that time on this show when we like to check in on all the sound that we may have missed over the last 24 hours and beyond. Let's get to it. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. You can find him on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. James, do we have sound on, sound off? Is your... Yeah, it's Screen my bad. Frozen. Sorry about that. Yeah, it was frozen. Oh, wow. There's an upset. Yep. There's an upset. I was wondering Usually what was Amber gets yelled at for this. I thought that I had uh, unpaused yeah. it. Oh, so we're Amber, having an opportunity for you to stick it to I noticed when the clock still said yeah. 27 after, and <laughs> it's, uh, you know, 733. <laughs> I thought I had so Could have said something to I me. I was trying to stall as long as before. I could. And I'm, I'm like running out of ways to stall. I thought we're you having, were. We're having the flashy, the flashy screen problem again, and I'm trying to. Like, you know, excuses. make sure you guys don't have a seizure or something. No excuses. She's not allowed to have excuses when she screws up the audio. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. Adam Schefter is reporting that an extension for Roger Goodell is almost done. Here was Schefter speaking about the new deal on NFL Live earlier today. The NFL owners and NFL commissioner Roger Goodell are expected to finalize a contract extension for the commissioner at next week's NFL owners meetings. Now, there was some question about Roger Goodell's future, but this extension, which is still being finalized right now, which is in the process of happening, obviously is expected to extend the commissioner's tenure. And we've seen other commissioners at his age step aside. Roger Goodell right now is 64 years old. Pete Rozelle was 63 when he left office. Paul Tagliabue was 65 when he left office. They've been discussing a multi-year extension for Roger Goodell. It looks like it's going to get done next week at the NFL owners meetings. This is the time of the show where I normally bring in James Steele. I feel like I already brought in James Steele to reveal to the audience that James Steele was slipping on his job. Hey, James. Everything's there. I just forgot to push a button. All right. So, Joe... Goodell catches a lot of flack of the job that he's done as the commissioner. But what do you think about the job he's done as a commissioner of the NFL? Well, let's look at it like this. When Roger Goodell took over, and I believe right around 2006, the last franchise that sold at that time was the Minnesota Vikings. They were purchased for a price of $600 million. (laughs) Fast forward to this year, 17 years later, At the tail end of Goodell's tenure, not to say it's ending, but the end of that 17-year stretch since he took over, the Denver Broncos just sold for $4.5 billion. $4.5 billion. That's like eight times as much as Minnesota went for. So I think it would say that despite inflation that's taken place in this country, uh, Goodell's done a pretty, pretty good job. And for what they pay him, I believe he's made somewhere around $500 million as the commissioner of the National Football League during his time, the most expensive bulletproof shield in the business because he takes the heat, 
that the owners are able to avoid. Mm -hmm. That's part of his job. I think he's done fantastic. That is his job. 17 years, that ain't inflation. I mean, that's the reality of it. (laughs) Now, the argument that you could make is that the sport would have been this healthy no matter who was the commissioner of the sport, right? As long as somebody somewhat competent was in charge. And I do think that that argument could be made. But the reality is that it's Roger Goodell that was the commissioner for the last 17 years. And the sport has grown exponentially as Joe just broke down to you. That's what the owners are paying for. And that's why they're going to continue to pay him because they don't want to risk finding out that – it wasn't just the sports growth and that it did actually matter who was the commissioner of the league. Roger Goodell, I think, has a very difficult job. I think it's probably much more difficult than any of us realize because he is that buffer all the time. He does absorb all the heat for years. I felt like it was trendy to hate on Roger Goodell, frankly. Typically trendy to hate on commissioners generally. Adam Silver went through this weird period of time where like, every, he was completely insulated from any criticism for a long time. I feel like maybe that's changed here over the last few years, but typically people don't like commissioners, right? It's easy to rag on the commissioner because the commissioner is the protector of the owner. Roger Goodell has done what the owners have asked of him. He's done what's expected of him. And he has certainly made the owner's money hand over fest. And it's the owners who hire him. It's the owners who pay him. So he has done his job from that perspective gloriously. All that matters is if they're happy with him, And I would imagine they're very happy with him. And I would also imagine this is his last contract because he's 64 years old. So this is probably going to be a monster one. And then probably at some point here, we will get a change in the NFL commission. Let's throw a couple other nuggets on there real quick. He got it to 17 games. He expanded the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thursday night football has taken off. And now he's got Amazon and Apple and Google and YouTube and all these other entities fighting for the rights deals. It's one thing when ESPN was going toe-to-toe with Fox and CBS and NBC, you bring in the money that is Apple and Silicon Valley, Mm -hmm. oh boy, you're taking it to a whole new level. And even just navigating, though, that streaming landscape and everything else and recognizing the sport needs to grow there as well. Like, this is the future and the way that things are headed So with those rights deals. And so it's, I would imagine, like I said, a much more difficult job than any of us realize, even if that sport was going to grow no matter who was at the head of it. Baker Mayfield signed with the Buccaneers last week. It's the fourth team that he's played for in the last three years and the third that he's played for in the last calendar year. Baker spoke about all the uncertainty that he's faced while moving from team to team recently. If I was to tell you how it would go based on the plan, um, I wouldn't have said that I put on three different uniforms in the year 2022, but that's how it happens. And so you got to learn from it, roll with the punches, uh, trust in God's plan. But yeah, I've, I've grown a lot. Um, I appreciate all the things that have happened throughout my journey, and it's helped me get here today. And so I want to play this as long as I can. So I've learned a lot of lessons along the way. Amber, what do you expect from Baker uh, this season in Tampa? I expect Kyle Trask to be an amazing quarterback. Uh, Go Gators. (laughs) I I don't know what I expect, frankly. Here's the thing with Baker Mayfield. I always end up rooting for Baker Mayfield because I do think that Baker Mayfield has this superstar power, you know? Like, Baker Mayfield's always been a star, even though he hasn't really done much at all in terms of his NFL career. I think that that is in part with him 
charisma. Yes, part of it is all the antics from college and that his star rose at that time. But I also just think generally, like he is somebody who is built to be a star. I think that it would be great if he could be one. I I loved all of his commercials. He's the best actor easily in the NFL. Um, He's great from a marketing perspective. I don't know if he's ever going to get there again. I'm not really sure I expect a ton from him, frankly, in Tampa. And obviously as a Gator, I genuinely am rooting to see something from Kyle Trask, but I think they bring him in to, at the very least, create some sort of quarterback competition there in Tampa. He's a career backup the rest of the way, but he can be a career backup who sticks around a long time and he can get some spot starts here and there due to injuries or maybe stepping in for teams that are looking for a veteran to hold the job while a young rookie looks to develop. But ultimately, I think the portion of his career where he's a franchise QB He had that opportunity in Cleveland. It didn't work. He kind of got another shot at it in Carolina. It didn't work. And now we're pretty much done with it. I mean, you look at his career. He's got 102 career touchdown passes and 64 interceptions. He turns the ball over way too much. He doesn't even have a two-to-one ratio. Now compare that to Patrick Mahomes, 192 touchdown passes. It's just to give context, though. There are a lot of people who hear that number that don't understand. Let's set the bar a little lower. Okay, well, go ahead. Pick a quarterback. I'll bring it up. I know, let's compare it to Ryan Tannehill. Or Ryan Tannehill. Okay, we'll bring up Ryan Tannehill, which, I mean, you're probably comparing him to what he's going to be in the future. Tannehill, 212 touchdowns better. to 108 interceptions. See? So They're he's essentially two to one. He's essentially two to one. So there you go. That's Baker Mayfield. And Tannehill's gotten paid, paid, and more so than Baker. Yeah, I mean, but Baker's never getting paid like that. Baker's yeah. not that he doesn't have that chance coming. That he had that opportunity with Cleveland and he wasn't able to deliver on it. So he would need a with- second stint to go really, really well like Tannehill did. Right. And then that need te- that team needs to fa- uh, fall hook, line, and sinker for it. I don't see that happening. Well, that's what happened with Tannehill. I mean, Tannehill wore out his welcome in Miami. What happened with Tannehill is then he gets to Tennessee, and then he earns that. I mean, he was the backup in Tennessee, remember? And then he earns that job. And I thought for a moment that might happen to Baker with the Rams because he came out of the gate swinging. And I thought, well, maybe Baker will find himself in a situation like that where he's the backup, but he gets more opportunities. I thought the Rams were going to keep him because he's a viable backup, and why not when Matthew Stafford clearly has durability concerns and is coming off of an injury that could cause him additional problems, plus he had those chronic elbow problems when we came into last season. So I would think that they need a viable backup in Los Angeles. I was surprised, frankly, that they let him go, but we'll see what happens there in he Tampa. I don't know start, if Tampa though. has their quarterback of the future, so he, honestly, it might not be a bad role for him. He wants to start, and Tampa is a chance for him to win the job. Right. In L.A., he's not going to get the starting job outside of an injury. They gave Stafford way too much money for them to say, all right, well, Baker looks better. We'll go with him. You can't have the Stafford money sitting on the bench. That's the primary reason why he left. Yeah, and I don't hate the I don't hate that decision for Baker because, you know, Tampa still has some pieces around him and maybe you can win the starting role there. Maybe you can try to prove once again you are the quarterback of the future. I'm not sure it's going to quite work out like that. Sound on, sound off is brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, the World Baseball Classic has been a lot of fun. Is it a problem that they're playing right before the Major League Baseball season, though? There have been some serious injuries coming out of it. We'll get into it. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast.
Baseball Classic has been a lot of fun if you haven't been watching it. Certainly the players seem like they love playing in the World Baseball Classic. We'll get into that and how maybe the individual owners in Major League Baseball would feel about it after some of these key injuries. But first, Joe's going to do what he sometimes does best. Let's try to earn you some money. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Sometimes being a very loose term with the way things have gone over the last week or so, but we are going to go ahead and persevere because that is what we do on this show. This is a double dip. We got two for you right here. Game starts at, I believe, 7.45, excuse me, 8.10 p.m. Eastern. Now that we're organized, play number one. They're both coming from the Rockets-Warriors game. We are going to play the Rockets, plus 11 over the Golden State Warriors tonight. The Warriors are absolutely awful on the road this season. They are 7-29 and on the road. That's one road win better than San Antonio and Houston, both of whom are tanking. They've lost 11 straight on the road they are 28th in defensive rating on the road they routinely get lit up the thing is they keep telling everybody they're gonna turn it around clay thompson said it before this road trip we're gonna turn it around this is the point where we reverse our season i'm paraphrasing there what have they done so far on this five game roadie oh and three losing those three games by an average of 10 points per game they're not just losing they're getting blown out so pizza money number two right here is going to be the Rockets plus 11 over the Warriors. Within the same game, Steph Curry over six and a half assists plus money, plus 116. Curry's averaging 6.2 per game on the season, but the total here is 236, and he plays really well from a facilitation standpoint against Houston. Last four games against the Rockets, he's averaging 11.5 assists per game. So pizza money's two and three. Rockets plus 11 over the Warriors. Steph Curry over six and a half assists plus 116. So the World Baseball Classic, I mentioned, has been a ton of fun. It's been clearly a ton of fun for the players involved as well. Before I get into the injury component of this, let's just talk about Team USA a little bit, Joe, because the players are echoing that this is like bigger for a lot of them than playing in a World Series, which is pretty remarkable to think, but that's how much stock a lot of these players are putting into it. Trey Turner, when he hit that grand slam, the game-winning grand slam on Saturday for Team USA to advance and play Cuba, they end up beating Cuba 14-2. to They did that in front of a sellout crowd at Lone Depot, almost 36,000 people. So they will play the winner of Japan-Mexico tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern. So Team USA is rolling in this thing. But Trey Turner, he called that the best moment of his entire career. And he has been balling out in this World Baseball Classic. Other players, like I said, have talked about likening this to playing in a World Series. The crowds have been phenomenal in this thing and you can see how much it means to these players and I've seen a lot of media outlets kind of you know talk trash frankly about like the bar has gone after this thing a lot of people have gone after this thing and I do think some of that is people not recognizing how important it is and how fun it is for these players to get the opportunity to represent their country and something that Major League Baseball has basically created in order to have a World Cup type atmosphere And it's working like that atmosphere is existing. It is working and the players themselves are buying in. I was at the first ever one of these that was at Petco Park in San Diego in 2006. They had both semifinals on the same day. In the morning, it was Cuba versus the Dominican Republic. In the evening, it was Japan versus South Korea. 
I believe those were the four teams. I feel like I'm very close on those matchups. It was outstanding. I've never been to baseball like that because all four fan bases stand and chant throughout the course of the entire game. We don't get that with American baseball. In the playoffs, it ratchets up. But a regular season game, you're eating hot dogs, drinking beer, and you're relaxing. These games, the fans are standing, they're beating drums, they're going nuts, they're having a great time. So the atmosphere is fantastic. And to your point on Trey Turner, I mean, is that not the greatest nine hitter in the history of the sport? Yep. America is batting Trey Turner ninth, ladies and gentlemen. If you're unaware of Trey Turner, think of it like this. He's going number one in every single fantasy baseball draft taking place this spring. That is America's nine hitter. Part of the reason the Americans are in the finals waiting for the winner of the Japan-Mexico game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they're waiting for the winner of Japan-Mexico. Turner said that he'd love to hit up in the order, but a direct quote from him, this lineup's ridiculous. It doesn't matter if you're batting first, second, third, ninth, there's probably going to be guys on base in front because the lineup is just so good. So you never know when it's going to be your moment. He's had multiple moments so far in this world baseball classic. There's been a lot of moments. There's been a lot of things to the WBC. I mean, in that game against Team USA and Cuba. Now, remember Cuba, of course, fielding a team essentially of like minor leaguers because most of their best players are defected playing over here and cannot represent their country. In fact, they had uh, one of their players defect, it appears, uh, after that game uh, from his hotel in Miami, uh, somehow slipped out of his hotel in Miami, did not go with the team back to Cuba. The word is officially, according to all the reports, that he defected there um, from Cuba. So that's really interesting. You have that component of it. You had protests because this thing is in Miami. You have a lot of Cuban-Americans, of course, taking this opportunity to protest the Cuban government. So there was protest. They had to stop the game multiple times because there were active protesters running across the field. There was a lot going on with the WBC. But I think what I have found so remarkable about this thing is just the joy that you see from these players in representing their country. And you're seeing it from Team USA, but you're seeing it particularly from a lot of these other players with a lot of these other countries. This is their real opportunity as they're playing their baseball careers over here in the U.S., but this is their opportunity opportunity to go represent the Dominican or go represent Japan or wherever it is that they're from. And they're really, really enjoying that sort of atmosphere. The other story, though, coming out of the World Baseball Classic is the injuries. And we know the biggest one, Edwin Diaz, you know, out for the season, ruptures his patella tendon in his right knee. Now he did that celebrating. So I don't know if that's fair, Joe, because he was clearly celebrating a win. I mean, you can't even see how it happened even on replay. So it's not like he was playing in the game. I mean, you could jump up and and celebrate and hurt yourself at any point. I guess maybe the argument would be the emotions in the World Baseball Classic. You're much more emotional than you would be about a spring training game. So I guess you're far less likely to hurt yourself celebrating in a spring training game than you are in the WBC. And then um, also you've got the uh, broken right thumb from Jose Altuve on a hit by pitch. He'll be out for a couple months, it looks like. Yeah, so it turns out sports are physical, and there's a risk of getting injury. So it turns out if you're going to decide to play sports, you might get hurt. I don't know what the problem is here. I know everyone is up in arms saying, oh, we shouldn't have this guy, shouldn't risk injury. They don't have to play. They don't have to play if they don't want to. If they want to play, play. And if they get hurt, it's part of the game. You can't just walk around scared of life and scared of the world because you might get hurt doing something where people get hurt. And there's a Mets player who did not play in this thing that ends up getting hurt in spring training. It can happen in anything. Joe and Amber, the podcast.